little official looking. I that? know. <laughs> well, good evening, everyone, and welcome. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. I'm very happy to be with you here in Herbst Theater in the Veterans Building in San Francisco and with those who may be listening to this program via podcast at a later date. I want to welcome you to this Points of View program. This is Wednesday, April 17th, and it's 2013. These programs are produced by the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, which is directed by Charles Chip McNeil, and our adult education programming is coordinated by Cecilia Bean. As many of you know, these programs are recorded. We also know that many of you have gone looking for these recordings via podcast on the website and have discovered that you can't find them. Um, we are working on it. It's the ubiquitous technical difficulties, and we're assured that you will be able to find the podcasts at least by the end of the season. And I think, I think the plus is that you get to review what a wonderful season it's been by listening to all of the podcasts of the Meet the Artist interviews and the Points of View programs. The uh, Center for Dance Education does produce other programming, the Meet the Artist interviews, programs for children, both in the Opera House and out in the community. And then we're producing a growing number of programs to, I intended to engage our, frankly, already pretty engaged audiences I want to welcome all of you who are our old friends and regulars, and I'd like to extend a special welcome to the friends of San Francisco Ballet and members of the Christensen Society and the Chairman's Council. Your contributions annually make the spectacular performance that we will hear about this evening and that many of you will see this evening possible. So thank you so much, and we're really delighted that you could be with us this evening. I have a few announcements for those of you who are family and regulars. Um, we, of course, have announced the 2014 season, and we are renewing subscriptions, and there's an early bird discount renewal deadline coming up on the 24th. You want to remember that. There's an invitation to a great behind-the-scenes opportunity on Sunday, May 5th at 11.45 a.m. Company class in the Opera House will be open for observation. Did y'all know that? No. no. <laughs> and this is um, part of Bay Area Dance Week, which is an amazing annual festival every year. Um, so you need to go to Bay Area Dance Week website you can Google that, you can find it <coughs> to RSVP and get your name on the list for the open company class on Sunday, May 5th. And then finally, we are at program seven and that means that our last points of view program for program eight will be on May 8th and that's just three weeks from tonight. We will not be here in the Veterans Building because most of you know this by now, it will be closed for a couple of years for the seismic retrofit. 
So we will be, along with a lot of other activities that take place in this building, we will be at the Norse Theater, which is at 275 Hayes Street. It's between Van Ness and Franklin. That address will be readily available on our website and of course by calling the ballot if you need to. That night, we will be talking about our wonderful new production of Cinderella. And my guests will be artistic director and principal choreographer Helgi Thomason and ballet master Anita Pachodi. So now, I'm delighted to have with me in conversation this evening these lovely people. <laughs> so I'd like to start by introducing on my right, in case you need a visual. Oh, gotta change that picture. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self. Um, ballet master Katita Waldo. Katita started in the San Francisco Ballet School, joined the company in 1988, was promoted to soloist in 1990 and to principal dancer in 1994, retiring in 2010. During that 22-year tenure, performed principal roles in vastly diverse repertory of works and by all of the acclaimed choreographers. She began the next phase of her career while still performing in 2004 when she set or staged Yuri Posakov's Magrita Mania on the Bolshoi Ballet. <laughs> and that led to working as choreographer's assistant to Christopher Wielden on his creation of a new work for the Bolshoi Ballet. So in 2008, Helgi asked Katita to serve as ballet master for two premieres in the New Works Festival. And that seemed to go well because when Katita retired in 2010, she was appointed a ballet master. And we are so happy that that happened and happy to welcome you. Thank, Thank you, you, Katita. Thank you very much. So next to Katita, we have, I guess to the right on your screen, um, Charlene Cohen, who has been in the Corte Ballet here since 2007. Charlene was hails from Plano, Texas, <laughs> and I'm not sure if you got early training there, but did train at School of American <laughs> Ballet. Yeah. There's got to be a ballet school in Plano. I don't think I so. It's called Plano. <laughs> okay. Well, the good news is School of American Ballet got to work with Charlene before she moved on to a professional career, starting with the Miami City Ballet. And I want to hear a little bit more about that. <clears throat> and of course, since joining the company in 2007, she's performed featured roles in all of our repertoire, including being among the casts who have created any number of our world premieres. So thank you, Charlene. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> and next to me, dear friend, uh, Garen Scribner, soloist with the company, came from Arlington, Virginia, that's Correct. in the D.C. area. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you started your training in the D.C. area. I did. But you Watching did train at the... <laughs> hmm, we'll mm -hmm. get into that later. In the North Carolina School of the Arts, which is a wonderful institution. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Here in the... Um, Maryland Youth Ballet. Mm -hmm. And of 
course, San Francisco Ballet School, Boston Ballet School, joined as an apprentice here in 2003, advanced to the Corps in 2004, promoted to soloist in 2008. And we see Garen in the now familiar diverse repertory. And Garen has also branched out as co-founder and director of an enterprise called Get In Front, which we're going to hear a little bit more about in a minute. Okay. So, Garen, thank you thank for you. being with us. <laughs> Before we launch into really talking about Program 7 and any of the other repertoire in this season, I do want to um, let our audience get sort of a feel for who's talking to them. Um, Katita, I think one of the most amazing and wonderful things about the trajectory of your career is how it, it is congruent with the tradition of theater family and theater generations. And you've gone from being the dancer to being the master, passing it on, and I just, I just love that aspect of our art. How did you feel yourself in that trajectory? Put us in the picture a little bit. As a dancer, did you imagine being in the front of the room instead um, of the back of the room? No, I didn't. I actually didn't know what I was going to do. And about 10 years before I retired, I started thinking about what am I going to do. And um, I thought I, I was interested in writing. I was interested in all sorts of different kinds of things. But um, I never seemed to have the time to to follow through with those things, and I dabbled a little bit and uh, didn't quite work out. Um, I initially was interested in maybe going into the school and working as, as one of the teachers, maybe even I was interested in the directorship of the school at one point, very briefly, <laughs> and um, did, did talk to Helgi about that briefly while I was toying with it. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah. But I, I, no, I never saw myself as a ballet master. Um, I, I thought I'd go into teaching somehow or do something completely different. And it, it wasn't until I was, you know, pursuing the trajectory of the school and in my own mind. And when I got the opportunity to go and, and do, you know, set Magritte Mania on the Bolshoi, which was kind of a bit of an accident. And um, it was fun. But when in the process of doing that, I realized that I really, I loved being in the studio with the dancers. I wasn't a creator, I'm not a choreographer, um, which you should all be very grateful for. <laughs> as, as they know, even when I teach class, it's like coming up with combinations. I'm like, oh my God, especially <laughs> adults, you're like, can't do it. So I'm not, I'm not creative in that way, but I loved working with the dancers. I love uh, setting ballets and, um, getting the dancers to the place where they're comfortable with the ballets and, and shaping that and getting it ready for the stage. And that's, uh, I really loved it. I found when I was at the Bolshoi that I'd be working, you know, six, seven hours in a row without stop. Never been so tired in my life, never been so sore because I had to show everything. And I, luckily I was still dancing at the time. And um, I loved it. I'd get home and it's like, I haven't eaten all day. And I didn't, I, it's like the time just flew by and I thought, wow, this is great. So when that opportunity came along and, and Helgi gave me a chance, well, Chris gave me a chance to go and be assistant to him again in Russia, took that up. And then when Helgi said, well, you know, 
you say do you and I said okay yeah and I, I I had I was really lucky I got an opportunity to dip my toes into it so to speak um, there was so much that I didn't know when I when I finally took the job on but I was lucky to have at least some idea and I loved it and I still I still love it there are a lot of things about it that are just um, so exciting every day, so exciting. Some things not so much, but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. We appreciate your honesty. Yeah. Well, but uh, but no, in general, it just it's been it's been glorious and um, really lucky to have transitioned into something that I really really find rewarding and to get to work with the dancers. I love working with the dancers, so that's my story. One of the things that has occurred to me is that thanks to this trajectory of graduating through the company ranks to this role, you are the ballet master for, and we'll talk a little more in detail about this in a few minutes, uh, works that you have danced. Yeah. And you are ballet master for works that are coming in from the outside that are established works, and so somebody stages it and you get assigned to it. And you get to work with a new work, a choreographer who is staging a new work. What kind of point of view do you bring to each of those different situations? I'm still learning. I mean, I'm still, I guess, what, it's been five, six years now that I've been three where I was playing at it, or two when I was playing at it, and now three where I actually have been doing it. It's very different working with a choreographer. Um, in some ways, it's a lot less active than I thought it would be for me in particular, because I want to get up and learn everything, but at the same time, I don't have I don't have the time. I have to, especially if the choreographer is using a lot of dancers, I I I have to keep track of where everybody goes, which I'm still learning how to do. Where everybody goes, what when do they do what they do? What are they supposed to do? It's not just a matter of learning my part. I have to have a handle, enough of a handle on everybody's part to be able to help them when the time comes, mm -hmm. which again, it's still work in progress, but uh, yeah. Um, so that, in terms of working with new choreographers, that's one thing. Uh, we will get to this more, but I, I am in charge of crisscross, which we're doing tonight, which you will see tonight, and I did dance it, and Helgi in the summer said, hey, you know this ballet, how about, uh, how about getting it ready and I was like okay because I knew my part obviously I knew that if I turned on a tape and I looked at it I'd be able to remember my stuff but I had to learn everybody else's part when you're bringing a ballet back usually you rely on the dancers that did it the year before you're like yeah you guys know what you're doing and you can help me teach it to the rest of the group but when it's a ballet that's been gone since 1999 you kind of wow. have to know what you're doing and, and, and figure it out and that's a uh, a lot of, lot of studying the tape, a lot of, you know, you learn everybody's part to the best of your ability. Deciphering the music, that's a, oof, that's a, that's a tricky one. And then in terms of ballets that are being staged by other people, um, that would be Symphony and Tree Movements in this case. Um, it, it's amazing because usually the people that come and stage it know the ballet really, 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 really well. So mm -hmm. you're not kind of fumbling your way through figuring out what it's supposed to be they tell you what it's supposed to be. And so you, you learn it along with the dancers. And, and uh, I kind of like that one because mm. it's a little, like the information's there, I just have to gather it instead of having to like figure it out all by myself and then hope it's not wrong. And uh, 
So yeah, those are three different, mm -hmm. three different uh, ways of looking at it. With new choreography also, sometimes it doesn't, um, choreographers come in the summer and they do a work, but maybe they haven't really been clear and you have to get it back together before they come back and you, I, 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 don't, I, well, I don't know what it was supposed to be, but I guess let's do this. And so that can be a little bit of a heart attack sitting. Yeah, <laughs> a little stressful, but that's okay. It's fun. At least it's not without its excitement. Um, and you can sometimes rely on the dancers to remember. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they can say, "Yeah, I, I my favorite moments the are the right ones. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite moments are the ones where we do the ballet in the summer, and then you get to put it back together, and you turn the tape on. They're like, <laughs> I don't remember anything, and you're like, Oh God, really? But I, I was the same way, so I completely understand. You know, you learn it, you let it go, you move on to what you got to do, and." And it's our job to make sure that we remember it so that, and I'm still half dancer in my mind because I haven't, I mean, you know, so I'm still like, I don't recognize it either. What am I going to do? <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Which yeah. is unusual too. Like most companies, they rehearse a work, they prepare it, and then they perform it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we rehearse it, prepare it, put it in the closet for six months, <laughs> yeah. then revive it yeah. Yeah. in like a week yeah. or less. Yeah, our schedule is pretty, pretty, Unusual. Interesting. Yeah. It's intense. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. uh. It's uh. The dancers and and ballet masters and everybody are really asked to do an amazing amount of work, which they always do. They always do. The dancers are incredible. I. I, I again, this is new from being on the other side. Um, when I was a dancer, it was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It'll be fine. <laughs> As ballet master, you're like watching the tech rehearsal, like it's a it's a mess. It's a mess. How are we ever gonna get this on the stage? And then they do the opening night and it's great. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of scary. <laughs> it's scary. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> one thing, one thing more about Katita, I know it's part, you, I don't know if you're done with the subject or not, but I'm not. Sure. Um, we can move on. Katita, nice. in Katita's role, she has to be a manager too. I mean, there's mm -hmm. so many, there's a whole new skill set that you're, you never discuss as a dancer. You have to manage people. You have to manage an entire group, sometimes of 60 to 80 people in one room. That These can be fun. From ages, sometimes there's the kids in, in the room who are in a full length. So seven-year-olds, even young six to seven-year-olds, up into you know the, the principal character dancers. And the ballet master's job is to play this chess game of who goes in and who, how does that affect the other group of people. You have to throw people in, have them learn things like that the day of the show. There are all these things that are never discussed and it's um, I mean, it's a really challenging thing yeah, I'm still figuring all do. that stuff out. Casting, casting is like a big mystery to me. <laughs> like when they come in and say, well, can you tell us who's going to be dancing the rehearsals? I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think I had to figure that out. But yeah, I do. So I'm learning. I'm learning. Well, so far, so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good. So far. Garen, you um, sort of made an interesting segue all on your own to this role that you have assumed in the last year or so. Mm. Um, you had this amazing opportunity to do 
this production, I want you to tell us about it. Sure, yeah. And you, you spoke about, and you have to be a manager uh, with yeah. a little bit of um, <laughs> yeah. new authority there. Tell well, us about this project. New insight, project. for sure. I don't know about yes. authority. But yeah. Um, yeah, so the performance was called the Get In Front Performance. And Get In Front is the media campaign of the Cancer Prevention Institute of California. Um, CPIC, and I've been a spokesperson for that organization for a few years now. Um, I got involved with the organization because um, the CEO, Sally Glaser, who's a scientist herself, I met actually at one of these events, the ballet event. She's a patron and comes to uh, see lots of shows. She loves music and art, but she's a brilliant uh, cancer research scientist. So we kind of bonded over, my dad's a scientist as well, so we kind of bonded at one of these events. And I said I wanted to learn more about the organization, and um, I did, and I kind of helped out with a couple of things and showed up to some events that they had, and they asked me to work with the organization, which I was happy to do. And um, I had wanted to do a big benefit performance with um, lots of dancers from all over for a while, and uh, Jim Safranco and I, who share a dresser, and we room together on tour and we're good friends, kind of came up with this idea to do a benefit performance with companies from all over the Bay Area. So um, that's how it started, and we you know, told CPIC that we had this idea and we'd like to do it, and they said, great, what do you need from us? And we just said, I, we don't know yet, we'll let you know. <laughs> um, so we, first we found the theater and started asking companies, and we actually did it here in this theater. I don't know if, if anybody in the audience was at the Get In Front Performance. All mm -hmm. right, thanks Couple for coming. A couple of hands, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much. Um, so yeah, it was, in, it was in the Herbst Theater, and um, we, called companies and asked, we had lines and San Francisco Ballet and ODC, Axis Dance, Robert Moses Kin, uh, Smuin. So all the, some of the most celebrated companies from the Bay Area came into it and volunteered their time to perform, which was really awesome. Um, we got sponsors and um, had as much press as possible so we could sort of raise awareness for the organization as well as um, uh, raise uh, funds for them to continue their work. So we, um, the theater was completely sold out for 900 seats, and we raised over $145,000. So about 100 grand went to the organization net. So we were really thrilled with that result. And um, but yeah, so in terms of being a manager, I learned so much about managing people, about managing <laughs> staff. But really, staff was just all of our volunteers. So I mean, we had tons of friends who came and, and supported and. Um, you know, ballet masters and mistresses who put the pieces together for us and um, people donated, like Charlie helped us, helped us out a lot and donated some, she makes cards, greeting cards, <laughs> awesome greeting cards. And uh, her boyfriend's an artist, so he donated a painting and we auctioned that off. So it was kind of like the, the whole community was really involved and um, it was just an amazing outpouring of support for such a great cause, which we all, you know, have to consider every day. So, um, so it was wonderful. And actually, I remember I, I was standing in that um, entrance I kind of ran around during the performance and just like took a peek from the front of the house. And one of the ushers came and said, where's your ticket? And the other usher stopped and she said, that's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> Good feeling, fun yeah, feeling, Yeah, I huh? thought, whoa, whoa, wait. Um, <laughs> no, because you know, it was, it was a, lot of, a lot of work, hours and hours a day. I was up late every night um, taking care of emails and sponsorship material and press and um, marketing and doing everything. So. Um, that's what happened. <laughs> and uh, we are going to do another performance, Get in Front 13, and it's going to be at Yerba Buena Center for the Arts, um, the Lamb Research Theater. It's actually less seats than this, believe it or not, but it's a wonderful stage for dance. 
um, it's kind of one of the premier dance spaces, and that is on 11, 12, 13, so November 12, 2013. It's an auspicious date. We're yes. excited about yes. it. So yes. hopefully all of you can join us there. That's wonderful. Thank and you. I just, congratulations for doing that. It makes me think you did in one performance a microcosm of what an institution like San Francisco Ballet has to do right. for uh, with marketing, promotion, oh, yeah. um, fundraising, yeah. um, casting, rehearsing. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so in much. The, yeah. In well, the real it, sense of the word there. Thanks. It, it didn't turn out to be so complicated in the, the programming aspect. Oh. I mean, Jim and I really worked on making sure that the, the program was balanced. But um, you know, everybody was donating a piece. So the kind of elegance of the design, you could say, was that we said, you know, we'd love for you to do this performance, but you need to prepare it on your own. We have no studios, we have no money, <laughs> we have no time. <laughs> so if you don't mind, uh, get that ready for us, and then we'll just take it on that day. So um, all of the companies participating really did put, you know, their time and, and yeah. um, resources into it, and um, all, all donated. So did you? Did you? Sorry, did you get a dress rehearsal, tech rehearsal? We had we had a dress rehearsal the day of the show, so we we but came. But that was it. That was it. Yeah. So all the companies came in, and so I mean, we painstakingly went through the schedule of who's coming in, where we had a little green room set up, um, and which company was coming in when, who their director, who their lighting person was. They had about in between 15 minutes and 25 minutes per per um, company. Um, <laughs> so there were 11 companies wow. involved. It was an, it was uh, the show was under two hours, um, which is important. You don't want to go to a show that's too long, right? Um, and so everybody did you know an excerpt of a piece or or a fully realized piece, and um, yeah, we we got it done the day of. It was it was tight. We were behind schedule for a while, but we caught up, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> so just looking couple decades down into the future, do you think that directing a company is something that would capture your imagination? Sure, you have an opening for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know um, there are websites that do that. Um, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't want to rule it out, but um, in terms of artistic directorship, that is a big, huge responsibility that really changes your life. I think I've watched a lot of um, directors from a, from close range and mm -hmm. from afar and seen kind of what that what that is mm -hmm. and what that mm -hmm. does to your your whole life um, it's it's a huge sacrifice I mean you give up your private life in a lot of ways um, heavy is the head that wears the crown you know it's yep it's yep. Um, it's always your fault everything's your <laughs> fault whether it goes right <laughs> or wrong um, and which is you know responsibility I understand that but I don't know if I'd want to be the artistic voice, the sole artistic voice of the company. What I would be interested in doing is um, being part of executive leadership and um, having a hand in the creative vision mm. in the past, but um, I'm not a creator either, like Zita said. I'm not a choreographer. I have no interest in that at all. But I, I'm interested in supporting people who do have the gifts and, um, and helping young people kind of cultivate their talents. We'll talk in 10 years or so. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Well, Charlene, I know they call you Charlie. Yes. I don't know what you'd prefer. Well, I like Charlie. Okay. Yeah. Charlie. <laughs> um, we have 
really, th this comes up as a theme in almost every conversation I have, is diversity of repertoire. Mm -hmm. And the diversity of the training of the dancers who assemble here at San Francisco Ballet. And you're just an excellent representative of that. It sounds to me that your training was maybe predominantly the Balanchine School of mm -hmm. Training. But this last week we watched you do uh, the Raimonda, which is super heavy classical. Mm -hmm. And then we watched you do um, a, one of the characters in Val Canaparoli's Ibsen House, which is a very expressive, dramatic, contemporary part. So there's a question in this. Um, do you consider yourself, let's say, at, at uh, the takeoff point, a Balanchine dancer primarily, or what, yes. what would you say? <laughs> what would you say? I, I mean, I, I went to School of American Ballet just for two years to mm -hmm. finish my training, and then I joined the Miami City Ballet in 2000, and that is strictly the Balanchine Company. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I feel very comfortable dancing. Mm -hmm. um, but I came to San Francisco because I wanted I wanted the opportunity to try all these different works, and um, it is very different, and it's very challenging. Um, I would say I sort of learned that you sort of keep each ballet in like a file folder in your head. You sort of have to open it up and go mm -hmm. through the motions and then close it up and go on to the next ballet. You know, it's very, mm -hmm. it's so exciting to be challenged that way, but it is very intense. <laughs> Except for she's not able to put the files away because we always ask her what's going on in each ballet. <laughs> like, Charlie, she's off. She's like getting ready for another piece. And we're like, Charlie, do you know what count that's on? Is it on eight or 10? I rely we'll on her too, all the she's, time. She's one of the smartest dancers and yeah. uh, she remembers everything, so. Thank you. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> um, true. That may, allows me to leapfrog a little bit <laughs> to a, a different um, topic of conversation, but I do remember a dancer that was a dancer and now choreographer, Julia Adam, who danced with the company for many years. And when I asked her about um, being a choreographer or being a director of a rehearsal, she said she was one of the ones in the room that always knew what was going on behind her and on each side of her and in front of her. And that is a unique gift. And a ballet master has to do that. I think a choreographer maybe, but I'm hearing that <laughs> that maybe you're one of those who I think can. I, yeah, mm -hmm. um, Dick Tanner from the Balanchine Trust uh -huh. just came to set uh -huh. Symphony in Three, and he started to demonstrate a step. And I had done Symphony Three like seven years ago with Miami, and I'd mm -hmm. done like 50 shows of it, so mm -hmm. I, I remember it. Mm -hmm. But it had been quite a quite a while, and um, I s he started to do something, and I was like, oh, I don't think that's right. And he's like, oh. Have you done this before? <laughs> you, do yeah. a, you do a good dictator. I said, yeah, I did it. He's like, where'd you do it? I said, Miami. Who said it? Bart and Maria. What do you think it is? So I told him what I thought it was, and it was right. And this happened like three more times. So then he just said, OK, Diva, why don't you tell me what it is? <laughs> I was like, oh. But um, I think especially for the Balanchine Ballets, it's just so musical and so logical. And I think it sticks with you for Mm -hmm. All eternity. Once you get it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes getting it mm -hmm. you know, is tricky. Mm -hmm. Especially symphony and training. Yeah, sometimes. Oh it's my tricky. God. But once you get it, it's like, oh, yeah. It's logical. I can see how it yeah. would come back. Yeah. Um, many times in these meetings that we have, um, somebody will say, all right, you've said balancing technique 25 times. What do you mean? Can you characterize 
what we're talking about when um, we say the Balanchine technique? Oh. <laughs> Let's see. I would say, I can say what the benefits mm -hmm. are that I think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you always carry your weight in your toes. So okay. I think it makes for very agile, quick-moving dancers. Okay. Um, the emphasis is on the musicality of the legs and the precision and the attack and the energy. It's not necessarily, I, I don't want to say how you get there, but it's, it's how everything is a presentation of something. And so I think that's what makes the training great is that it teaches you how to present yourself and how to present the music with your body. And, um, phrase things and time things. Um, and I good, think people can good. say different things yeah. about it as uh -huh. well, but so you, you're balancing too, I would say. Well, so Katita and I had similar <laughs> training. We, she was at the Washington Ballet, although she doesn't want to talk about it too much, but um, she was at the Washington Ballet briefly, and that's where I started my training when I was little. Um, but then we, we also both went to the North Carolina School of the Arts and uh, shared a teacher, Melissa Hayden, if anybody's heard of her. Um, she was a wonderful teacher, uh, exuberant, um, eccentric woman. Crazy in the best way. Yes, <laughs> yes. Most of the time. Just yeah. name it. Um, and so I did get some training there, but it was a really mixed bag. So I had a lot of classical stuff, and then I had Melissa every morning, though, for technique. And um, yeah, I mean, what Charlie says is right on. It's all about agility and speed and quickness and presentation. And I mean, what I love about it is, especially like in Symphony in Three Movements, which you'll see tonight, it's really a show. It's a mm -hmm. show, you know, it's, and it's, um, it's, a, it's American ballet. It's, it's really, um, there's a lot of jazz influence, um, especially in Symphony in Three. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so musical. It's so um, syncopated in places and um, very percussive with the running, it's athletic. Um, yeah, so I mean, those elements mm -hmm. I love about mm -hmm. Balanchine and the piece tonight as well. Mm -hmm. We're going to get to talking about this evening's ballets in just a minute, but I want to con contrast the Balanchine pieces, which I'm really hearing you and, and I know what you mean by that presentation. Mm -hmm. um, Raimonda, the heavy, I don't, I don't mean to say heavy, the <laughs> very, very classical those variations are so really challenging and demanding. So can you maybe compare and contrast those with mm -hmm. the, the Balanchine who, and you know, he started there, but boy, did he Yeah, and you know, away. I think you can still take his technique and apply it to a classical variation. It'll just, you know, my variation is all quick and marching and um, showing positions, and mm -hmm. I approached it still as a Balanchine dancer. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the hardest thing for me was probably the porta bra is very um, structured and controlled, and you know, Balanchine were like, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so it was yeah, hard. You know, yeah. Bruce was like, Charlene, come on, put your arms in front of you, and like, put your shoulders down, and so mm. I would say the porta bra for me was the most challenging, and to go through a proper first position, fifth position, and Balanchine, a lot of times, you know, for that quickness mm -hmm. and speed, he made you overcross the arms and go through everything really right. fast. So it feels, yeah. sometimes I feel a little bit like a student, but uh, I just try and blend, you know, keep my still mm -hmm. individual style, because I'm never going to be a classical dancer, so. You're a fabulous classical yeah. dancer. Yeah, yeah but you know, I'm just, I, I would don't actually understand. argue in, in a different way that I was not trained Balanchine. 
but I ended up dancing a ton of Valentini. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was the opposite, is that I took what I was trained as and did Valentini mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. And I believe that there are certain fundamentals that have to do with mechanics of how you use your body that mm -hmm. are just universal if you do them right. Mm -hmm. And I think that both with classical ballet and with Balanchine, you have people that go to the extreme and look at the end result instead of how it works. And you can get a lot of bad stuff when you go there, where they're looking at the speed instead of how you are quick. They're like, well, just be quick. And they make shortcuts. Or with, oh, with the mm -hmm. classical dance where it becomes really heavy and and I think that if the, the, there are certain universals that you can apply to everything. It's one of the things I like about San Francisco Ballet is that I don't think that, I think we're asked to be everything. And so you have to find a universal because mm -hmm. you have to. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was the gem, mm -hmm. the pearl of wisdom there. Mm. Um, let's talk about the program. And we have the first thing on the program <coughs> choreographed by Helgi in 1997, I believe, yeah, and last, um, last <laughs> done in 1999. Um, I love the titles for Helgi's ballets. He kind of, I think he has fun picking out a title. He doesn't just say symphony in three movements or piano concerto in, which <laughs> another choreographer might do. Um, what does Cross, uh, we'll just look at some pictures while we're going through here. What, is, what does it mean? Why did he choose that name? And you are the ballet master for that. <laughs> <laughs> what well, does we didn't really have a discussion <laughs> about that, but I will say, actually, interestingly enough, I was in the original, and uh, I did the part that you see now. I did the, uh, the pas de deux, um, the, the first movement pas de deux. And there are two sections. There's the Scarlatti section and the Schoenberg section. And the Scarlatti section is supposed to be the more classical, and then the Schoenberg is the more uh, contemporary. Um, and it wasn't until I set the ballet and had to learn all the steps that I realized how many crisscrosses there were in the ballet, in the choreography, in the movement, and, and how, how much he had really put that idea into it. And I think it has to do I mean, I, I haven't spoken to him about the theme of the ballet itself, but you know, the, the juxtaposition of classical versus more contemporary and how they can come together and how they can crisscross. And if you look at the choreography, there, there, are, there are moments of crisscrossing all the time. Um, her leg being put that way and, and the way they'll get into that and um, um, just a ton of things where there's a lot of, of symmetry and, and crisscrossing, which I never realized was there when I did it. <laughs> it was very interesting to, to actually uh, look at it now and put it together and realize, oh my God, yeah, look, hey, another one. So that was really interesting. But I think it's, it's kind of an exploration of, of ballet in, in two different tastes. It's not like super modern and super classical, but it's, um, you know, little uh, taste of differences. Serve two ways. Yeah, serve yeah. two <laughs> ways and how they crisscross. Yeah. I don't know if this so. is the last image. No, there's one more image. 
Um, is this from the more contemporary? Is this, this the yeah, this yeah. is Schoenberg. This is the second half. And we're looking at Beto and Yuan Yuan. Yeah, and both halves have a first movement, a pas de deux, and a finale. And and then there's a crisscross. Oh, right. And then they cross. And then meet at the end. Mm -hmm. and they cross again. <laughs> and it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I actually I have to say, um, I think the company's dancing it absolutely beautiful. It's really been. We're going to go backwards and just look at. look at the pictures again. Yeah. Um, what, and this is the more, this is the first. This is the more traditional one. Yeah. Traditional. And it was originally Tina LeBlanc and myself. And I want to say Julie Diana did yeah. it. And, and yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the Yuri. second half was, was uh, Joanna Berman, Yuan Yuan, uh, and Kristen Long with Yuri Pasakoff. And I can't remember who else. Mm -hmm. Roman did it. Roman Reichen, mm -hmm. Felipe Diaz, who's mm -hmm. now uh, one of our ballet masters, who returned to us. That's right. Yeah. He was in, oh goodness. And he's actually working on this as well with me. Mm -hmm. And we did it together, so that was kind of oh, fun. fun. Um, yeah, we might just clarify the first half is to the music of Scarlatti, actually adapted by yeah. a contemporary, which I'm fi I find a little curious, but apparently that was a very typical thing back mm -hmm. in the 18th century. And, um, so you hear this very traditional sound, and then we get Schoenberg, yeah. which is very contemporary sound. Yes. And Helgi Different. has described in your program notes, you can read, um, that the Schoenberg piece was inspired by Handel. Huh. Okay. But you probably have to listen very closely to find Handel, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unless you're a musicologist. Well, I, I mean, I guess now that you say that, his waterworks come, not waterworks, what is it? It's the, um, <laughs> water, water music, music, yeah. No, the water music, yeah, yeah, yeah. Handel's water music, the grandioseness Fireworks. of it, there are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are elements of, of, there's grand moments in the Schoenberg, which mm -hmm. I guess I could, I could mm -hmm. see a little bit of how that would, maybe. As you mentioned, there is this moment between the two halves when they literally crisscross. But I wondered, is this something that could ever stand alone, each movement stand alone? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this is a program with three works, three choreographers, which I find kind of fascinating that we have George Balanchine, and then we have Helgi Thomason, who was a student and dancer for George Valentine. And then we have Yuri Plusikov, who was a student of and dancer for mm. student of um, Helgi. The family yeah. tree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're back to that thing of the, the family tree and the heritage. Yes. Um, in this work by Helgi Thomason, do you see some of the influences of the Balanchine master? And oh, Charlene yeah. says yeah, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think every work that Helgi does is touched by Balanchine. I mean, uh, I think most American choreographers mm -hmm. are touched by Balanchine. Mm -hmm. The man was a genius, and and his the way he liberated movement. Um, you know, like Charlie talked about with the speed, and uh, he just trans transformed the art form. And I think anybody from his generation took things from mm -hmm. that and and you definitely see it I see mm -hmm. a lot of that it's uh it's uh the sincerest form of flattery in the best yeah, sense yeah, of the yeah. word it's original but a nod to 
through this amazing choreographer that <laughs> influenced everyone so much. Um, now for something completely different. <laughs> the uh, centerpiece, or the center ballet on the program is uh, Francesca da Rimini by, uh, choreographed by Yuri Postkov last year, premiered last year. He chose the tone poem of the same name by Tchaikovsky. It's based on this um, a very small section from the great Renaissance piece of literature, Dante's Inferno. And it's, um, let's see, characterize it. Who, wa who wants to jump in with a couple of <laughs> Well, somebody said it's very Russian. And um, I guess I would say that it's very Russian and that it's exceedingly passionate. And, and one of the things about all of Yuri's work is you'll never be bored. You will mm -hmm. never, whether you like it, you hate it, you whatever, you will never be bored in Yuri's work. Yeah. He is, um, he was an extraordinary dancer. He was an extraordinary partner. And you see both those things in his choreography. Mm -hmm. he, he, he loves visuals and, and he can do things that are neoclassical, but then he also can do something like Francesca, which is just dripping with emotion and rife with roiling and passion and all sorts of things and it's it's really fun i think it's really fun explosive it's mm -hmm. like a lot of fireworks yeah in terms of emotion and physicality i mean those mm -hmm. guys are yeah oh yeah doing some amazing stuff and the ladies too and i mean that's the thing with a piece like this one of the things that dancers are supposed ballet dancers in particular are supposed to do or make things look like it's really you know it's easy but if you think about it whoo and you see the stuff that these guys have to do and Francesca, the partnering, it's just, yeah. it's, it's remarkable. Inc it's yeah. incredible. It's a 10 minute pas de deux. Mm -hmm. yeah. The work is 20 minutes long and the pas de deux is 10 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. And I mean, the, py the pyrotechnics <laughs> of, the, of, the, of the pas de deux are just extraordinary. How could somebody toss somebody up in the air so high <laughs> and then catch them so effortlessly? It's mm -hmm. like, really, wow. <laughs> And yeah, it's so it's pretty, pretty amazing. I think um, Yuri's exciting too, because he asks for so much movement um, and it's scary. Like yeah. opening night of a Yuri piece, you're, you're wondering who's gonna go down, because mm -hmm. it's just, <laughs> you're, he's having you slide and you know, he's always telling the girls, arch your back, bend, move. I mean, he likes that big movement. And yeah. I mean, just this, you can see the girls are like skidding across the mm -hmm. stage. and. Mm -hmm. I think in Francesca, that's what makes it so exciting. I mean, the girls are literally sliding yeah. around and the, mm -hmm. I don't know. You can see their movement. Yeah, like they're it's big, it's even bigger than. I will, mm -hmm. I will actually, I will delve into what we've discussed earlier and I will tell a story um, briefly. We had a little bit of a scary episode uh, a couple nights ago with Francesca. <laughs> it was supposed to be Francis and Carlos uh, Kennedy dancing and Carlos had a severe attack of allergies and he could not breathe, he could not dance. Just so happened Juan was in the house because he was covering, Masha was doing crisscross. So naturally, you know, what you'd normally do is go, well, okay, fine, okay, well, we'll put, because it's so complicated and the partnering is so difficult. We'll put Masha, we'll put that other cast on. And so it would be, you know, Masha and, and Tara, who was not scheduled to dance, and Juan. Well, no, it ended up that Francis and Juan went up into the studio doing crisscross to see if they could do the partnering together. And then they went and they did the ballet. So it was Francis and Vito uh, Matteo with Joan, who had never done this part with Francis, and they were amazing. But before it started, <laughs> Yuri comes backstage before the ballet starts. He goes, 
drama. I love it. <laughs> and there you have it. It's like, I love it. So that's Yuri. And so Yuri. And they probably did it oh, better than they ever would have because I of could, the yeah. I, You would never, ever, intensity. ever have known that they hadn't done it together yeah. from the beginning. Ever have known. But the adrenaline was probably oh, reeking. Yeah. John yeah. came off after like, oh my God, I'm so <laughs> but you never, I mean, he, he just, you know, he flipped her up just like he flipped yeah. Masha up and then, then yeah. like one, one hand, you know, twirling her like a basketball. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Well, for those who are not as familiar with Dante's Inferno, the, um, <laughs> the summary basically is that um, married to uh, Giovanni, is it Giovanni mm -hmm. Malatesta? Um, who is an unpleasant and unattractive person. Francesca is married to him, but she falls in love with his younger brother, the handsome Paolo. And the lovers are discovered by the husband, and he murders both of them. Mm. And then they spend eternity whirling through the second circle of hell. Close enough to touch, but not quite. Mm -hmm. Yes. For those who sin through sensual pleasure, the circles of hell are all very defined, specific, yeah. very specific, and, but they are near enough to touch but never together. What material for, <laughs> for Yuri? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yuri. Drama, I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, just a sensational piece, and he has two or three casts rotating, two, two casts mm -hmm. rotating. Um, and tonight, I believe you will see. Nobody wait, <laughs> I think wait, it's wait. I think it's. I think it's it's. Uh, uh, you Francis. think I know this, right? You know, I, I, think night, Francis. So I think it's Francis. I think it's Francis. I think it's Francis. Yeah, and we uh, hope Carlos is okay. Carlos. Mm -hmm. Wait. Um, it'll be a surprise. No, it's Carlos tonight. I think it's Carlos, Carlos okay. tonight. So um, I know this. I know this one. Yeah, it's <laughs> Carlos tonight. Wrapping up, um, talking about the wonderful Balanchine piece. Um, Symphony in Three Movements, that's the name of the score by Stravinsky. He wrote it during World War II. And there are all kinds of wonderful stories about themes and um, little bits. Uh, composers apparently frequently write a little snatch of music and like it, but it doesn't quite work at the moment, so they file it. And he apparently pulled out all sorts of things uh, that made their way into Symphony in Three Movements. And um, is that great or I what? Mm -hmm. Does that look like fun? Um, characterize the piece. Um, somebody, one I'll of you. Let you guys start. I, think I, I just, the more I watch it, it's so powerful. And um, yeah, there are a lot of, there's a lot of symbolism in the ballet that um, in reference to World War II and just the opening with the 16 girls and the white leotards, mm -hmm. you know, people call that the home front. And mm -hmm. I love that Balanchine made the army of women. It's, you see these gorgeous women, but they're sexy and powerful. And it mm -hmm. just shows to me his admiration of mm -hmm. women. And the mm -hmm. steps the core does is just incredible. And um, <coughs> I remember when we did it in Miami, Edward would always talk when we got to the finale movement about the tension building and about, you know, the men do these things. And he said, it's like the helicopters coming in. And, you know, the music sounds like bombs Ooh, dropping yeah. and uh, you get to the scene where it's called searchlights and you really do feel like you're doing a step that's like a tank rolling in and you're an army and you're going to war and it just, it's so powerful and so incredible that Balanchine could capture that and 
hit the, voc the vocabulary he used for this ballet, I just thought is incredible. You look at the steps and they're very strange. I mean, you see the girls doing these like crab walks and crumbling and all these strange things and he didn't do them in any other ballet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just in this ballet. And I just, the more I watch it, I think it's such a masterpiece. And Katina, were you in it when it was done here um, 13 I, years I ago? I was in it, but it was one of those, uh, yeah, someone's out. Can you step in for two seconds? And I did the, I did the pas de deux, but mm. I have very, all I remember is doing <coughs> the oh, yes. Grand Plié, mm. and I did it with Pierre-François Villanova, but I, being in charge of it now, I'm like, how did I, I don't think I knew it. I just did it, but knowing it now, I'm like, I don't know how I did it because how could you do yeah. it if you don't know it? Because boy, let me tell you. Hmm. It's like but a big intricate jigsaw puzzle. And Katita has to learn. Mm -hmm. It's amazing in Miami, we had two ballet mistresses to be in charge, but Katita's the only one and she has to watch the core, demi boys, demi women, and three principal couples and we all count different things. Yeah. So Katita's just, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh. <laughs> steam is like blowing out. I mean, it's. Yeah, it, it was intense. I have to say, I, I feel a bit like I had a cheat sheet because the, the man who came to set it, Dick Tanner, had, he, he had transcribed, he'd written the entire ballet down. And at one point, you know, I'm trying to like, yeah, okay, four eights and, and a little love, okay, yeah, and trying to figure everything out. and. I said, can I look at you? I was looking at his notes and he gave me a copy of all of his oh notes. The Balanchine yes. Foundation gave him permission to give me his notes. And I could not have done this ballet without that. Mm -hmm. I was able to understand what he was talking about most of the time because everybody has their own way of notating. And he was really clear. I learned a ton, but yeah, it's, um, you have 16 girls doing, the music is, everybody has dances on the same music but the five couples have different counts than the 16 girls and they have different, the boys have, the five boys have different counts than the five girls. The girls are counting fives, the boys are counting fours and like which one do I yell out because I don't know who's wrong and oh my God. <laughs> and then they're like, shut up, don't count because you're messing us up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you do your job. <laughs> Garen, you are, um, you dance in this piece mm -hmm. and you do one of the solos. Mm -hmm. And you actually do the solo that Helgi created. Yeah. So, uh, what do you tell us? What we look for when we watch that? Um, I do. So I'm. Um, I don't know what if we Charlie got a picture of that. Did the, we? Um, yeah, that's me in the back there. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, okay. That's the in-between moment. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a good line. Yeah, that's uh, a good position. <laughs> Charlie and I do this part. So there's five boys and five girls who are the solo couples. Um, so that's what I'm doing most nights. Mm -hmm. And then I do Helgi's role, the one he created. I did that on Saturday and I'll do it again on Sunday. And very well, too. Thanks, yeah. Katina. Um, and so, well, just doing two roles in any ballet is a challenge because you're obviously having to learn two entirely different parts and to come out of the one, your original part, like the first cast part to do your second or third cast part, it's rare that you get to come out and then take a look at the ballet and see it before you go in. Mm -hmm. So you have to have eyes in the back of your head or, you know, like your yeah. Julia Adam kind of style. Um, mm -hmm. So that was difficult and that always is a challenge. But um, once you get in a couple times and then make a mistake or get lost, you find your way. <laughs> Um, yeah. But that's a very, um, it's a very buoyant part, yeah. as I understand Jump. it. Well, Helgi was an amazing jumper and he had uh -huh. great arms and um, attack and stuff. So 
this this part is is all about that. You see these huge, just like um, the girl in pink, Sasha was in that big tuck mm -hmm. position. The whole first movement, that's the one of the themes, is this jump here. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Helgi came in a few times to coach us, and it was really great. And he would help us kind of like get into this high position with the legs really super tucked. And um, uh, so it was cool to work with him on that. And there's yeah. this part called the fugue where you have to count complicated <laughs> sevens, <laughs> and then two of the notes before you start are in silence. So you have to keep <laughs> counting. <laughs> and it does change a little bit. So you you're like, okay, please let the conductor like follow me <laughs> a little bit here. And you get out there and you, you count four, five, and the music's gone and you're like, seven, fifth position, boom, <laughs> ba, and you're just, Three, you're just four, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah this, this particular score, there's a ton of places where it's like, oh, it's a silent one. Mm -hmm. So the first yeah. note you hear is a two, but it sounds like a one. <laughs> and if you count it as a one, it messes you up. So if you have 16 girls or five couples yeah. and two of them hear the, the first note is a two and the rest of them here is a one. Oh my god yeah okay not good so yeah it's um yeah so obviously fun. judging by the title it's in three movements mm -hmm. the first movement has this kind of dynamic mm -hmm. business and then there is a gorgeous it's prodigy yeah. yeah it is is there ensemble around mm -hmm. them there's mm -hmm. just one of his great prodigies yep. mm -hmm. Yeah, Edward used to say it was the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. It was an, sort of like a moment of hope. Mm -hmm. I always thought that was really beautiful because it's very strange, Padada, but um, it's like everything sort of dissipates and this couple comes out and has sort of very sensual Padada and then all of a sudden it's like the war comes back. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And they're counting the whole time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was one of the things. I remember Helgi has actually said that he hates it when the dancers count because sometimes it looks like you're counting instead of dancing, which I completely understand. But there are some ballets where we don't count, we don't die. <laughs> <laughs> and this is one of them. This is until, but actually it's funny because once, once you start to, you do it enough times, you start, you do start to hear it. Yeah. And then, and, and then it's, it's great. I, I can imagine that moment yeah. when you don't have to count it anymore. That's just must be amazing. Or the moment when you think you don't have to count it anymore and you realize you do. Yes, <laughs> Rito said that to me, actually, opening night, that there was a little bit of a popcorn thing yeah. in a place where there wasn't supposed to be a popcorn. They yeah. weren't supposed to be together and they weren't. He said, I started listening to the music and I just should have counted. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah you should have counted. Yeah. I think but one of the scariest I shows I ever did of this ballet, we played it with a pickup orchestra. Oops. And it's a hard piece to play. And so we got on stage and orchestra members just st stopped playing because they got scared. <laughs> so, you know, we were listening for instruments and oh they weren't there. And I, thank God our company pianist was in the pit. And so he started trying to play other parts of the orchestra. Oh my God. <laughs> but I remember just looking at dancers horrified and just like, where is that? I don't hear anything. And that was frightening. Oh, Lordy. Um, what's happening here? This, this is, is a the final The very, pose. very end pose, yeah. It's uh, it, there are a lot of, the, I think one of the things that's hardest for the dancers in this one is that, well, we like to have three casts, the mm -hmm. principals in particular. We like to have multiple casts so that everybody gets on and whatever. But this is a very big ballet with a ton of people and it, the, the patterns are extremely complicated and we haven't had a lot of time. So like Darren was saying, he, he was in the, in the first, hit first cast five couples and in order to get the ballet ready, we had to do first cast every time, every time. And then it came time to do his principal part. 
which is totally different and he'd never seen where the guys go and it's like you almost have to start from scratch when you put new people you can't just slip in a new pot of dirt you have to slip them in and it's th the patterns are like mm -hmm. so it's it's mm, gives me a headache <laughs> um i just had a bit of a shock i looked at my watch and we have run out of time oh and I would have stopped a little while ago and let the audience ask questions, but I think you were covering all the things they would have asked pretty well. And I don't shut up. That's before, I, before I actually dismiss you and thank them, I do want to remind you, in three weeks, we have our last Points of View program. It will be at the Norse Theater on Hayes. You can find the address. We can maybe have a little field trip, go down there and check it out or something. Um, Look forward to seeing you then. We look forward to seeing you at the ballet over the next couple of weeks. And we want you to go to the website and check out all the wonderful things you can find on our wonderful website, sfballet.org. Then, having said all that, I want to say thank you so much, Katita and Charlie and Garen. Thank you. I think we enjoyed it a lot. Please enjoy the performance.